the power of three, the Trinity. What if I could tell you guys that we had three steps to help you ensure that you didn't screw up your portfolio? All you have to do is listen to these three key moments and these three big pieces of advice, and you will be better for it. All that and more on today's Money Guy Show. It's Brian Preston, the Money Guy, restoring order to your financial chaos, retirement, investing, taxes. You've got financial questions. He's got financial answers. It's Brian Preston, the Money Guy. So, Bo, kind of um, some house cleaning things from last episode that um, uh, our listeners had a little fun with me. You know, yeah, you know, this is maybe this is what happens when you don't pre-plan and you watch the Apple announcement before you come right on air. Is that, yeah, I kind of made a made myself look silly because I should have known. Just because the new iPhone didn't have a headphone jack didn't mean my 10-year-old car wouldn't be able to work anymore. But I, I shot from the hip, and as a result, I, um, I got some emails. You know, it seems like I can fix my problem for about 7 bucks. So I appreciate all the listeners. Y'all can hold off. I recognize that's why I tweeted the day before it actually went live. I said I might have overreacted. Um, so, But I do appreciate our, our audience obviously taking an active role. I don't know if the microphone will pick up on it, but I've got the the the, the raspy Stevie Nicks version of Brian Preston going on right now. Because oh, no, it, it picks up. It, you're, it, you're total Barry White right now. <laughs> I said Stevie Nicks on purpose because I, I don't think I'm cool enough to be Barry White. But I didn't have a voice last week. We went out to um, down to Atlanta, actually, for a conference that we were speaking at. And the day after, I completely lost my voice. So it was kind of interesting. Well, you were speaking pretty forcefully, so that makes a lot of sense, I guess. But um, what we're going to be talking about today is this is – I want to give credit to Bo. Um, I don't know what I was doing. I was traveling or doing something, and Bo wrote the content for one of our columns that went in U.S. News. And, of course, this is the thing. This is why I love that we have the podcast is because I love writing for U.S. News. We like putting it out there, but it does always kind of, I'm just as interested to see the, the columns when they're printed as you guys are because the editors really have their way with it. So whenever we do a podcast, there's a lot more included than just what we do in, in, in the columns that we do for us news. So we're going to be talking about how not to screw up your, your portfolio. And we, we chose three primary things. And the reason Bo honed it down to three key concepts is because he read an article, and this is a pretty old article, it's from 2012, and it was talking about how certain key individuals, whether you're talking about Thomas Jefferson, Steve Jobs, that there is, it has been found that most humans can only hold three key things. And, and you, if you go through history, of course, you know, you'd be, I'd be ridiculous if I brought up Thomas Jefferson and, and Steve Jobs and didn't mention three is also a historically powerful number just because you hear about the Holy Trinity and other things like that. But here's what I thought it was interesting. If you think about like Thomas Jefferson and the Declaration of Independence, this is what you pulled from the article. Bo, it was um, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Yep, that's that's right. three key concepts. Steve Jobs, when he came out and did the, the big release of the iPhone, um, he totally had the, that the iPhone was going to be an iPod and a phone and an internet, an internet communication device. Three key things. Yep. So you, when you wrote this column, you kind of decided, you know what? Let's do key, three key things. And what I love about it is, you know, we found that the human brain can only retain so many things. Even further along than that, I kind of just like setting things up so that you can't screw it up. Yep. So from an investing standpoint, if you don't get all the restaurant, you're not Warren Buffett, you're not Benjamin Graham, but if you can just do these three things, 
odds are you are setting yourself up for success. So uh, before we get right into the meat of everything, a few quick things. Moneyguy.com. If you go to moneyguy.com, you can go check out the new website. I say new because it's probably two months old, three months old, somewhere out there. Go check it out. We're always trying to, to keep things fresh there. It's also a great way to connect with all of our other social media platforms. I also want to encourage you guys. You know that we like to take the relationship to the next level. That's why we've got clients in 32, 33 states now. Um, you guys have been incredible. You really are helping us grow um, our outreach. Because remember, this show, we have no corporate backing. There, There is no you know, Wall Street Journal, NPR, anything like that behind us. This is a passion project that I started in 2006 and has kind of taken on a life of its own. And we could not have done anything that we have accomplished without you guys. So when I get to go speak at these conferences, it kind of, I kind of get washed over with just how cool it is that you guys have made this happen. So please help us out with continuing to, to help us grow our, our financial planning firm by, if you want to take the relationship to the next level, but also, um, if you get a chance, Go out there. iTunes is still a very powerful thing. You know, probably our three biggest platforms is still number one is iTunes. And then we also connect with our listeners through Stitcher if you don't have that app on your phone or um, iHeartRadio or directly through the website at moneyguy.com. But if you get a chance, those 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 reviews that you put on iTunes really do help us stay relevant and keep us in the rankings so that we show up for those listeners um, who might not have heard of us, you know, because that's the thing is I know you guys are doing a great job share, telling your friends and family about us, but we also like to have that natural organic discovery. And the only way that's going to happen is if we get good reviews so that iTunes and Apple keep us relevant out there in the marketplace, a very crowded marketplace with a lot of corporate players that are trying to obviously Get your eyeballs and your ears on things so that they can sell products. That's not, I mean, we only realized in the last two years that we could take the relationship to the next level. Before that, we were just, we truly believed that information wants to be free and we're just giving it away. So that, that's, that's the part I'll put out there before we kind of just jump right into the subject matter. Cause I do want you guys to be making better financial decisions going beyond common sense and restoring order to your financial chaos. So the first one, Bo, that I like to kind of jump into, keep it simple. Man, that, that's got money guy echo written all over it. Well, and, and it, you know, I think it really has such a loud resonance is because our world, because of technology, it's so cool. I love the fact that more and more of the world is easier to reach. And the fact that, you know, it used to be you had to be a, a, a rich fat cat to invest certain ways, but now, because of technology and because of this, the ability to have ETFs, you, you don't have to just do mutual funds now, but you, you can do anything and everything with the investment marketplace. If you want to go into real estate, there's probably a product out there that you can get into it with. Even annuities have been revolutionized in, you know, in the last few years because you have lower cost providers that are out there working. I still think with interest rates as low as they are, it's still probably not the perfect time to be getting excited about them. But there is so many things that are going on. And then we did a podcast on HSAs a few, a few weeks ago. There are a lot of things that just vie for your space of knowledge. So if you can keep things simple, and have some some coping tools to help you get through some of the heavy decisions you have to make with your personal finance, I think you will set yourself up. And as we learned in the Great Recession, complex does not necessarily mean better. I mean, do you think all those products that 
were generated by all the financial financial institutions that they've made all these movies, the big short about and so forth that kind of brought the entire real estate marketplace down. Did those complex things that were put together literally by rocket scientists, did they make our financial world better? No. So complex is not always better than simple. So we've tried to come up with some great ways that you can hopefully simplify your financial life to make things better. And the first one you'd written, Bo, was stay well organized, kind of get things consolidated, kind of expand on that a little bit more. Yeah, you know, does it really make sense if you have 15 accounts in 15 different places doing 15 different things? Realistically, there are really only about three ways that an account can be treated from a tax perspective. So, in theory, you should be able to consolidate your accounts into as few at one institution, institution as possible. Our opinion is it doesn't make sense to hold stock at this company in an old IRA and old 401k and have this patchwork quilt of all of your different accounts. If you can consolidate, you'd be amazed at how much easier it makes your life, how much easier it is to get everything operating on the same sheet of music, making a beautiful sound. And then it'll actually simplify other areas of your life, like your tax return becomes much more simple when you simplify your portfolio. Your estate planning becomes much more simple when you have an idea of exactly what you have going on and where it's at. Um, so organization can absolutely be your friend. And re- and remember, I mean, you might... Obviously, you listen to a financial podcast. You have decided to take it upon yourself to become as knowledgeable about financial topics as possible. Your, your, your family members and your loved ones might not have that same impact or thought process. So it's nice if you can have, you know, a, a, a process where you can hand that baton off as easy, as easily as possible. Um, some other things that we always talk about, and these are kind of echoes that we talked about in other podcasts is I like paying yourself first. I mean, we did a podcast, our last podcast, with some of the greatest advice you've ever received, and we had some key people in. And one of the things that I liked when people asked me that question, I love the thought of paying yourself first because, you know, I've mentioned to you guys in the past that one of the, besides the, The Millionaire Next Door, the other book that really had a profound impact on my life was The Wealthy Barber. And what I liked about that book was, and it really opened my eyes up, is, is if I paid myself first, if I was saving that percentage and it just was automatically working for me, if there was money left over at the end of the month, that was my money to go spend. And you didn't have to have that guilt or that, that it comes over you where you feel kind of, should, should I be doing this? If you're paying yourself first, you don't have any of those regrets because you're already taking care of the basics. The other one we talk about, and this is a good one. We t- I truly preach this with my own portfolio. We'll have people all the time come to us and ask us, hey, I have this lump sum of money where maybe I got scared and I pulled it out of the stock market or I sold some real estate or I sold a business. When should I buy into the financial markets? And, and a lot of you, you know, or you're scared. Maybe volatility is right. one of those things is keeping you up at night. And you're like, well, what can I do to, to limit that within my portfolio? One of the, the easiest things you can do is this concept called dollar cost averaging. A lot of you are doing it automatically with your 401ks, your 403bs, or your retirement accounts with your IRAs. And the fact that you're buying every month at, at, at the same time with the same amount of money. So it doesn't matter if the stock market's going up, going down. You've already got an automatic process to help you take out the emotion of the decision. And what I like about dollar cost averaging too is, is that when the market does get beat up, if we hit one of those down market cycles, you're going to find, and it's kind of a weird, absurd thing. It's a, it's a financial mutant, if you will. And the fact that, that you will actually 
Get excited that your shares that you're buying in on that monthly purchase are buying in cheaper. And it also is a nice hedge for those people, like I said, who come to us with windfalls of money or large sums of money. You don't have to go take that ultimate jump and hope that you're not hitting the worst time to be buying into the market. So those are two simple things that can help you build wealth over the long term if you just understand those those concepts. And then in terms of portfolio construction, you know, one of our mottos here at the firm, and we share this with clients all the time, um, is that sophisticated doesn't mean complicated. I'd like to think that any of the strategies we implement or any of the things that we try to educate our clients about may very well be a sophisticated concept or strategy. But what we try to do is break it down in such a way that they could take that and explain it to someone who doesn't have a finance degree, maybe a parent or maybe a young, uh, a child, you know, a, a, a young adult child, sure. someone who doesn't have the background. If you can explain what's going on in your portfolio in layman's terms, that means you have a portfolio that you can understand. Um, we would make the argument, never invest in something you don't understand. If you start getting into a product and you don't understand the inner workings and all this crazy stuff, um, that might be a red flag that maybe you're not having the right conversation. If somebody has to spin your head, that's what I, I call it when they're, they're making something so complex to show you how smart they are. It's your expense. They want to confuse you so it feels like that there's there's more to it. If you don't understand it, that's okay. Don't let somebody spin your head. Keep it simple. That's kind of our, our first rule of, of, of making sure out of the list of three ways to protect yourself and not to screw up your finances. Number two is just as simple also. It's keep an eye on taxes and fees. Guys, we, we talk about this all the time when we have people come to us. We say, look, the, the two big things that you can control, you can't control what the stock market will do next week. Nobody knows, no matter how good they tell you they are with their finances, nobody knows in the short term what the stock market's going to do or what any financial market's going to do, whether we're talking about gold, we're talking about tulips. I mean, it doesn't matter. Nobody knows what's going to happen in the short term, but you can control what you pay in taxes and then what you pay in fees. If you take a very proactive stance with both of those items, you will, you will be, put yourself in a much better place. And, And we'll talk about it and jump into first with taxes. This is one of those things where and I, I liked how you wrote this in the column, Bo. You, you talked about that. Um, obviously, the evasion of taxes is illegal. Mm-hmm. You can ask Al Capone that yeah, type I'll of thing you know. if, if, if you ever had that opportunity. But obviously, tax avoidance through legal means is actually encouraged. Yep. And there's actually, it's incentivized, incentivized within the tax code in certain aspects when you talk about retirement planning with your home ownership, with your children and things like that. So we want to talk to you about some of the proactive things you could do with your taxes to help minimize that expense and control that. One of the key things that we think is overlooked all the time. Well, let, let me back up. One of the first things you ought to look at is your retirement plan. Is there a match? I mean, because retirement plan contributions are incredible, whether you're talking about your 401k, your IRA, your SEP, your simple, all those things are great that they're going to lower your taxes. And there's a reason the government incentivizes you to save. But after that, after you talk about just the retirement savings, we like to talk to people about tax location. Just like you diversify your holdings, you know, you want to have some stocks, you want to have some bonds, you want to have some cash, you want to have international, you want to have real estate, you want to have some things that aren't correlated or tied into the stock market so much. So you'll have those type of asset class. You want to kind of do the same thing with your taxes, your different pots of money. It's nice if you have 
after-tax money like a joint savings account or an individual savings account. If you have tax-deferred money like your traditional retirement accounts like your 401k or your simple IRA or just your, you know, your IRA that you set up years ago before you became an employee at a, at a company that had a 401k. And then the last basket is tax-free. That's the three pots. Tax-free is like your Roth accounts. That's your, your Roth 401ks, your Roth IRAs. If you can have after-tax, tax-deferred, and then tax-free, Guys, when you hit that post 50 and you start going, do I really like doing this anymore? Do I want to kind of dial my hours down? But if I do that, I'm probably going to need to have access to some money from somewhere. And then you hit 59 and a half where you have full access to all your different pots of money. Guys, you get to manipulate legally what you want to pay in taxes. Another thing, and that, that's just the tax diversification. Tax location is has to do with you try to buy your bonds within your your tax deferred accounts because it's cool in the fact that all the interest income that's normally taxed at ordinary income grows tax deferred because guess what? When you pull out of those tax deferred accounts, they're going to be taxed at ordinary income. So you're getting taxed the exact same way, but you just get to push it off. You get to kick the can down the road and let that money work for you instead of going to pay an Uncle Sam earlier than it needs to. Roth accounts, tax-free growth. Those are the ones you want to go buy your, your more, your stock type holdings, the S&P 500 or growth holdings, where you're hoping you put $10,000 in it and it, you let a few decades go by and you pull 40000 out in retirement and the uncle, you don't even have to, to, you give him a high five instead of putting money in his hand. That's how powerful. And then, of course, the after-tax money, that's just where you go keep your emergency reserves as well as dividend dividend paying stocks and things like that that get some preferential tax treatment, but also gives you maximum liquidity access. I kind of felt like I hit that machine gun style. So you may be saying, wow, Brian, you just, holy cow, you just threw a whole lot at us. Here's a really easy thing that you can do. We, we actually did a show uh, back around May, and it was what, you know, how can your tax return help you predict the future? Yep. One thing that you could do very easily, go pull your 2015 or previous year's tax returns, uh, and there are two things you should look at. One, you should look at what your marginal tax bracket is for your household. If you fall into one of those higher marginal tax brackets, 25, 28, 30 and above, you may want to consider having all of your 401k contributions or or um, IRA contributions going into the pre-tax version of those because that tax benefit's so valuable to you. If you fall into a lower income tax bracket, you may want to think about doing the Roth. In addition to that, if you look on the very front page of your tax return, underneath the line where it says salary and wages right there, you'll see taxable interest and dividends. If that number is high, you may want to think about, okay, do I have something that's held in a taxable account that maybe should be held in an IRA or maybe yep. held in a Roth or maybe held somewhere else where it's not generating that ordinary income? Really easy way to know if you're getting hit by that. Yeah, I mean, we, we've talked about that. That tax return can be kind of your your financial checkup. In addition to doing that annual net worth statement, if you can look at your tax return and use it as a tool, we've got podcasts out there to help our listeners do it. Great review and great way for you to kind of take a pulse of how things are going for you financially. Kind of close out number two on keep, keeping an eye on taxes and fees is the fee side of things. And fees come in all shapes and sizes. And it, and it makes sense. Obviously, the more fees you can lower, the more you get to keep in your back pocket. And what I like is this is one of those things where I was just talking about the, this at that conference we were at last week. And then we were talking about with other financial advisors and, uh, and elsewhere is that there has been a commoditization of investments to a large degree. And you guys, the actual investor, the end user are the beneficiary of this. Um, if you think about it, I, we were talking about it when I started managing money in the nineties, index funds like your, your Vanguard, 
um, S&P 500, it was not uncommon that you thought you were getting one heck of a deal if your index fund was right around a half a percent. And that made sense because the managed and active funds were around one and a half, even up to two percent. So you did feel like, hey, I'm getting this thing at a quarter of a price. Well, as y'all know, Fidelity and Vanguard and now a few other players have jumped in and, and ETFs kind of go into this battle as well. They have been going at it. I mean, there is a civil war where punches are being thrown and all kind of crazy stuff is going. And you, the, the, the individual investor are the ultimate beneficiary. I mean, there are index funds that you can buy the S&P 500. I think I've seen on some of the institutional side of things, 0.02, 0.03. Yep, right. But it's not hard for you, even if you don't qualify for the institutional stuff, you can qualify per 0.05%. Guys, that's as close to being free as there is. I mean, because that's buying into the S&P 500. And you all know there's nothing wrong with buying into index funds in very efficient marketplaces. And if you hear that word efficient, you go, what, what, what are you talking about, Ron? What does that mean, efficient? That means that there are only 500, really 500 big companies in the United States, and they're all household names. It's your Coca-Cola's, it's your Home Depot's, your General Electric's, you know, all the Apple's, Google's, those type of things. Big, big companies that we've all heard of. Well, there's thousands of people like me and you, Bo. There's thousands of people that consider themselves specialists in following the stock markets. With information being as free and flowing as easily as it is with technology. Remember, you know, if there's an earthquake now in Japan, it doesn't take until the print press runs and we get our local newspaper to find out. We find out instantly. I mean, it, it, you don't even have to wait for the, the 24 hour news cycle where it used to be cable news channels change the world. No, now your phone actively hey, shoots up a, a notification. Hey, by the way, this just happened in the yep. world because information is flowing that easily. It is hard to think that you could know any more than anyone else about these big companies since you have just so few stocks and so many people following. It's an efficient marketplace. So if you don't think you can actively beat those asset classes, just go buy the index and save the bucks and put them in your back pocket. Now, that's not to say we think this is where I think we get off the beaten path from some investors. We don't think passive or index investing necessarily works in all asset classes. You know, I think that there are areas where a manager can still add value. We've talked about it when we have people reach out to us. I used to love buying the index funds within the bond category because, you know, bonds, part of your yield that you're going to get on those bonds is if you can keep the cost as low as possible, you get to gobble up and keep as much of those yields as possible. But the problem is, the bond indexes have been distorted. I mean, the behavior of, of printing money and some of the things we've done to try to stimulate the economy have had some unintended consequences in the ind- indexes, indices, especially for the bond sectors. So you want to think about these things. So that's why it makes sense to, to watch the fees. But Bo, you had done a good job of kind of going over some of the fees that were out there. Can you, can you run through those real quick? Yeah. So you obviously thought about internal expenses, which are, which are something that you absolutely have to keep an eye on in terms of your underlying investments. But there are also transaction fees that happen inside, uh, of your portfolio. Uh, and this is real easy. If you think about some of the low cost brokerage houses out there that you see the commercials for them, uh, you know, $7.95 a trade, or if you're buying a mutual fund, it might have a ticket charge to buy a certain Your first fund. 200 trades free. Yeah. Th- th- those are transaction fees that need to come into play. Uh, what we get really excited about are there are tons and tons and tons of uh, ETFs and mutual funds out there that trade with no ticket charge. Um, that's not to say that if you are buying some sort of investment that does have a transaction fee that it's bad. You just want to make sure you understand why that transaction makes sense. Uh, some fee, uh, some funds 
charge a transaction fee in exchange for much lower internal expenses. That's exactly right. Institutional share classes. Um, so just understand if you are paying that, make sure you know why you're paying that. Make sure there's not an alternative that could be just as good that trades for free. Uh, if you're paying any sort of transaction fee on a large cap S&P 500 index, uh, you could really avoid that. <laughs> really, really avoid that. And, and I always, cause I want to give, make sure you are making the right decisions with your finances. If you are going to have to pay a transaction fee, cause maybe you found a manager who's in a, an obscure asset class that you, you want to have some access to, say it's real estate or, or something like alternatives. that. Alternatives where you want to be buying in and it, does, and it has a transaction fee. Even, believe me, if you want to buy into some of the vanguards and those things in a brokerage account, you're probably going to pay a transaction fee and you want to have access to them. Our advice is make sure you're buying in big enough quantity. Think about it in terms of shopping at Costco mm-hmm. versus just going down to the local gro- grocery store to buy. You want to buy in a large enough quantity that that transaction fee is a very small portion of the entire purchase price because it doesn't make sense for you to pay $20 transaction fee for a $500 purchase. Because as a percentage, that's just not a good deal. Mm-hmm. Now, you, you could consider it for something if you're buying $10,000 worth of, of an investment and you have to pay a $20 fee. That's a much smaller, more immaterial number uh, when compared to the total. So that's, that's one of the things we try to kind of tell people. Be very aware of those fees. You want to be very proactive in making sure you're keeping that under control. And then... Go ahead, Bo. You and had then, some. Yeah, and then the the last fee that we would encourage you to take to keep an eye on are commissions. The number of oh, yeah. uh, financial products or investment advisors get paid on commission, and so uh, because we're fee only, we don't we don't actually accept commission. I'm just going to read exactly how how we had this written in the article. You know, a number of financial products will pay a commission either on the front end, the back end, or ongoing to the advisor who sold them. Uh, consider using no-load products. And that's not just in the investment marketplace. They're actually now beginning to see no-load insurance products like yep. annuities. So you can actually find those as well. Um, and, you know, one thing to kind of keep in the back of your mind is if your advisor institution doesn't offer a no-load solution, ask them why not. Hey, why don't we have no-load? Why does it make sense that I'm paying this commission? Again, if you're going to spend the money, just make sure you understand what the value you are getting for that money is and make sure there's not a viable alternative out there that might be the same thing. Yeah, and and I don't mean to go on a a tangent or a sidebar here, but it is, we've had some key things happen recently with some retirement plans of our listeners where, guys, if you have a 401k and you go and, and you get excited because you say, hey, I've got Vanguard S&P 500 in my 401k, but you're like, well, wait a minute. It's an insurance company that is the one that owns my or holds my 401k, the custodian of my 401k. And they have, say that you have a Vanguard S&P 500 or some other low cost. Go look at the internal expense ratio of that fund. If you guys find out that it is still around a half a percent, that's because there's some fees built in there for, um, that, that, custodian of uh, the provider of your 401k. And that's something you can question to see if you can get those costs brought down as much as possible. So it's just something I've seen recently with some of our listeners that reached out and asking questions about their 401ks. Um, that's definitely something you want to be aware of. So here's number three of, of this trinity of knowledge that we want our listeners to, to know so they don't screw up their personal finance. We've ta- gone through number one, which was Obviously, keep it simple. Number two was keep an eye on taxes and fees. And then we closed out this this knowledge bank that we're sharing today with know yourself. And this is a key one. I pick on Bo all the time. That um, And he can pick right back at me because I have my own blind spot is that we all have 
personal limitations or what I like to talk about is blind spots, shortcomings, things that we overlook because of our personality. You need to know yourself. And, and that's why when you do the research and look at things like the Dow Bar study, we always talk about that behavioral research that's out there on the average investor. We are horrible emotional creatures. I mean, it is one of those things. And that's why, I mean, I will tell you right now in the state of Tennessee, and it's, maybe this is this way throughout the whole Southeast, is a perfect case study in how emotional us humans are. Is that I told my wife, as soon as I saw the news report, I said, watch what happens here. Is that they, there's, a, there's a gasoline pipe that broke, mm-hmm. that, that, that supplies gas to the a lot of Tennessee, uh, uh, Alabama. I think it broke around Birmingham, Alabama. Of course, what does the news media do? They start covering it, and they start telling everybody this is going to create shortages. So what do you think happens next? When Jenna, my, my wife and I were driving to a birthday party or something on Saturday, we saw at the gas station by our house five deep cars lined up. You would thought it was those pictures you see from 1981 yeah. where yep. there's an oil embargo and everybody has decided, oh, my God, I've got to go. My car gets six miles a gallon, so I better go fill up a tank of gas. That's what it looked like. And I'm sure this is replaying itself all over the place. So guess what? Three, four days goes by and now I ride by these same gas stations and they all have the yellow tape like a crime scene around them because they have no gas at them. And I'm like, well, there's no way that pipeline created this shortage that quickly. Right. You right. know what caused that shortage? The news media. Yep. And it's the same thing with your personal finances, guys, is that the news media has recognized, and I'm not, I'm not trying to pick on them. They, they're trying to, they're trying to, to pay bills, pay salaries, and they have to keep eyeballs and ears on their products. Otherwise, they can't sell the advertising that's going to keep that money coming into them. But I just want you to understand that what they're trying to do is they're trying to keep your eyes and ears open by straight up fear because they have found out that the feel good stories only get you so far. People don't, don't necessarily pay attention for the feel good stuff. They pay much more attention for the negative stuff, right. the fear, the scary. And it's the same way with the financial marketplace. And that's why there's always a catastrophic event financially going off according to the financial media. So you have to make sure you know yourself so you don't let that behavioral stuff blindside you and then shortchange what's going on with your own personal finances. And that's why, you know, we talk about on the risk side of things. We feel like risk is only talked about in one area, especially when you're talking. And here's what, here's the, let me set the table for the way this goes down. You got to show up at your 401k meeting. Your, your employer says, um, you know, next Tuesday, we're going to have this 401k enrollment meeting, um, mandatory retirement. We're going to have some cardboard pizza there. So please show up. So you, you show up and you're like, oh gosh, I don't want to go to this 401k meeting. This, this is going to be so boring. And you get there and they say, we have a questionnaire here. It's going to ask you if um, market loses 20%, you're more likely to invest more. Are you going to, to get the heck out? Or are you going to just not do anything? And then they'll ask another question. When do you need to have this money? And you'll answer, you know, Next year, two months from now, five years, 10 years, 
It goes on. These are risk tolerance questionnaires. All 401k meetings have this, what's called a risk tolerance. And what they're trying to do is they're trying to figure out how much of a cowboy you are. Are you the type of person that wants to go lasso the, the craziest, wildest investment? Are you the type of person that every time there's thunder outside in the financial marketplace that you go and cover up? And, and, but in risk tolerance is very important. You definitely need to know where you are on the risk spectrum of what you feel comfortable with. However, there is a cousin of risk tolerance that nobody talks about. And it is, and I, I feel so bad for this, this poor neglected cousin of risk tolerance, and that's risk capacity. And risk capacity is the mathematical calculation of when you get older, because here's the thing, you might have made a fortune doing real estate mm-hmm. or chasing oil and gas wells. You know, maybe you're one of those, those cowboys that was out there in Texas finding you some oil on the ground. But the problem is, is as you get to be 60, you can still be a cowboy, but you need to have enough money set aside so that if your cowboy move screws up, you haven't sank the ship. Yep. And, and that's the big thing. Risk capacity is the calculation of figuring out if you're taking on too much risk that your portfolio no longer can mathematically recover. Meaning that if you, if you're out there riding the ropes and then you have another 2008 happen where the market, the S&P 500 loses 37%, if you're 60 to 65, 70 years old and you just said, hey, why not just buy the S&P 500? It's, it's historically one of the best things I can buy. It's because it might take you seven to eight years to recover. Whereas a diversified portfolio, yeah, it's going to stink too. You're going to lose money, just like the, the financial markets. But maybe it only takes you two to three years to recover. That's what diversification is going to do for you. It's going to protect you from the risk capacity of your age, as you get older, your risk capacity is going to cause it where you need to be a little more conservative. And then your risk tolerance is just how comfortable you are from a behavioral finance side. Did I beat that? Did I beat that enough? No, I think that's perfect. I think you nailed it. I, I liked what you put here on number two. You are not Warren Buffett. I have to tell myself that a lot because if I could look at myself in the mirror besides Jimmy Buffett, probably Warren Buffett is the other Buffett I would want to be because you look in the mirror and go, I'm not Jimmy, I'm not, I said it. You're I'm not, not Jimmy Buffett I'm either, not Warren Buffett. You know, they're kind of, they're not related, by the way. There's all kind of articles you can go find. Out, and I'm nerdy enough that I've actually looked that up to see if they were related. But Warren Buffett, you know, a lot of people think that he is just a straight up stock picker. And I think that that, you can say that to a degree because he does own, you know, what's been in the news recently is he owns a lot of, he's one of the biggest holders of Wells Fargo with Berkshire Hathaway. But he also owns Goldman Sachs, General Electric. I mean, Warren has done it in Coca-Cola. I don't I, don't know, I haven't looked to see what he's divested right. out of, but Warren does go when, when things look like bad stuff's going on or the poop hits the fan, as they say. Warren does go buy individual stocks that you and I buy. He's very opportunistic about that. And you ought to internalize that and think about that with your own personal finances as well. However, Warren and Berkshire Hathaway have done another thing incredibly well. They also, and if you, all you have to do is go read the, the letter to shareholders and you'll see that they always have an open invitation for small business owners or medium sized business owners. I don't think it's small, but medium sized. If your family owns a business and they have a whole list of things that they're looking for, if you qualify, if you check all those boxes, you too can become part of the Berkshire Hathaway empire. And that's one of the things that I think is that he is not only a stock picker, he also is running a company that is gobbling up um, a lot of really good small businesses or mid-sized businesses. And here's the thing. I think it's kind of a self-fulfilling prophecy to a large degree is because if you're one of those medium businesses that's family-owned, you know, you're private, um, 
you don't worry about money anymore. Money right. is not the driving factor for your financial decisions anymore. What is the biggest trophy that you could put in your hat of success is to say, you know what? Mom, pa's business was just gobbled up by Berkshire Hathaway. Guys, that, that, that's checkmate. I mean, you've kind of, so that's why I think it's, it's kind of, a, it's mutually beneficial to both parties. Warren Buffett is shooting fish in the barrel because he's got all these great companies coming to him and he's buying and investing in Untold directly. And then it's great for these super successful companies and families that are bringing these businesses to him because they get to have the la- the largest trophy you can put in your trophy shelf is that you now are part of the Berkshire Hathaway enterprise. So you do need to remind yourself from time to time, look in the mirror, throw some cold water in your face and go, you are not Warren Buffett. So you need to diversify, use the tools that are at your disposal. And that's all the things we talk about on the, the, the Money Guy show all the time is your mutual funds, your ETS, your diversified portfolio. Those are the things that are going to protect you. Diversification is definitely your friend. Number three, and Bo, I want you kind of to cover this one because you do so much, such a better job on why to talk, why people should look to consider hiring a professional. And there's nothing wrong with asking for help from time to time. Yeah, just like recognizing that you're not Warren Buffett, you need to recognize that there are some areas um, where some help might make sense. Uh, now, a lot of people can self-manage their portfolio. They can self-manage their financial situation. That's awesome. What we have found is that there are really three times uh, that we kind of boil it down to where it makes sense to seek the help of, of a professional advisor. Uh, the first is just when the gravity of your financial decisions becomes greater than you feel comfortable managing alone. Uh, if you have a uh-oh on $10,000, you lose a 1000 bucks. And while that's not a good day, it's probably not going to change your entire financial outlook. If you have an uh-oh on a million bucks, you lose 100000 now you're talking about some really serious income replacement, may- maybe more than you're even saving in a year. Um, so when the gravity of your decisions becomes too large that you feel comfortable with, it may be helpful to get a second set of eyes. It, it, it goes from being an uh-oh to, oh, my God, what did we just do? <laughs> uh-oh, I mean, no, oh, no. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's really it, – it, it definitely it, – it, what is it? It's not always the saying is, man, that, that got intense quickly or – That man, escalated that quickly. That escalated quickly. You know, I always screw Anchor it up. man. No, you nailed it. That was awesome. <laughs> yeah. The, the second time is maybe your, your situation becomes <laughs> – a little more complicated than it once was. Uh, maybe now you have some employer. Unique New York. There I'm sorry. Go. Keep going. Keep I, going. I'm Ron Burgundy. <laughs> you know, maybe you have some employer incentives. Maybe you have RSUs or options, and you're trying to figure out how does that tie in with the investment portfolio and how does that tie in with my tax situation. Uh, maybe you own a small business, or now you have some rental property, and you're just trying to figure out how to get all the different pieces of your financial puzzle to come together. Uh, when you try to become sort of that quarterback that looks at everything and figures out how it all ties in, that is a time when it might make sense to reach out for some help. Um, and then the third one is just life gets busy. Uh, as we age, as our family commitments grow, as our community commitments and grow, grow, as our work commitments grow, we have less and less time to focus on everything we need to focus on. And so often, one of the things that gets sent to the back burner are the financial issues. Is my portfolio allocated well? Do I have adequate life insurance? Is my disability insurance insurance what I need? Uh, am I picking the right health plan? Uh, is my Are my taxes the, as efficient as they can be? All of those questions become very difficult to answer when you have 10,000 other things going on. So we think, generally speaking, if one, two, or maybe all three of those things are beginning to happen for you, it may make sense to reach out to a professional advisor. I think... This this podcast, it, it strikes me, Bo, is that we have done, I think we are like 
swim instructors. Because we have, we have taken very simple concepts. The three things, I want to review them one more time. Keep it simple. You know, keep an eye on taxes and fees. And then the last one is know yourself. Those are the simple things. And I want to tell you, I want to invite you like a swim instructor would be. If you don't know how to swim, you know, they, they kind of ease you over to the side of the, 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 the shallow wind. And then they, they take your hand, put you on a kickboard or a paddleboard, you know, so you can take you, still keep you in the shallow end in the beginning, then go a little deeper. That's exactly what we tried to do today. We took the simple concepts, and that's what I don't want you to get overwhelmed with all the other stuff we talked about, because we'll take your hand and help you through those concepts by listening to the Money Guy Show. But if you can just remember those basic things, the simple things, that's kind of your homework, your practice things that you'll have to do to figure out if you're making the right steps and making the right decisions for your personal finance. Do those things because we can, you can keep this as simple because that's really what financial independence is. This is the culmination of taking a bunch of small steps, small movements towards that ultimate goal of building up your army of dollar bills so that you no longer have to work with your arms, your hands, your back, your brain. That's the, those days will be gone unless you want to. There's nothing wrong with doing that stuff, but only because you have made the decision that you want to actually work because you know what? You have enough money in the bank that it's working for you. So I love when we get to do these podcasts where we take very simple concepts, but then we also take them a little deeper. We held our listeners' hands, took them out to the deep end of the water, and, and just gave you a taste of you know all the things you ought to be considering. Hopefully, those type of discussions are what's going to help you go beyond common sense and make those good financial decisions. And then, as I mentioned on, at the beginning of the show, We'd love if you listen to this and, and you're going, man, I kind of like how these guys are talking about things. If you want to take the relationship to the next level, reach out to us. You know, another thing, because I, I brought it up and I made fun of the enrollment meeting with a 401k right. and I used my very monotone, you know, going to go to sleep type voice. It's not that way when we do your 401k. So, I mean, it's, it doesn't even have to be if your employer, if you, if you have one of those custodians where you, you remember we did the podcast on, who was the John the, Oliver? Don, John Oliver. I was going to give him credit. He'd probably hate that I'm talking about the Daily Show. He's like, "No, I got my own show now." <laughs> but you know, we did a podcast on that. If you have one of those 401ks where you're starting to question the fees and the structure, we can help out with that. You know, there's all kind of things we like to help our our listeners. You know, build relationships, make the right decisions, and we feel so blessed that we get to come into wherever you're listening to us, whether you're working out, or, you know, mowing the yard, vacuuming. You'd be surprised at all the different ways you guys have emailed us and told us how you're connecting with us. Please continue to do that. Also, if you get a chance, if you think about it, go out there and leave us some reviews out there on iTunes. And you can always write the show, just give us the feedback or to send me um, Amazon links of all the things I should be buying for my car so I can still do, do the iPhone 7. You can write me directly at Brian, B-R-I-N, at moneyguy.com, or my co-host, Mr. Bo Hansen, at Bo, B-O, at moneyguy.com. Um, we just truly love coming in um, and talking to you about these concepts, and we'll be here in the same place talking to you in the next two weeks. I'm your host, Brian Preston. The Money Guy podcast is hosted by Brian Preston. And Brian Preston is a partner with Preston and Cleveland Wealth Management. Preston and Cleveland Wealth Management is a registered investment advisory firm regulated by the Securities and Exchange Commission in accordance and compliance with securities laws and regulations. Preston and Cleveland Wealth Management does not render or offer to render personalized investment or tax advice through the Money Guy podcast. The information provided is for informational purposes only and does not constitute financial, tax, investment, or legal advice. <laughs> <laughs>